Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. God is big enough. Turn to Psalm 139. We are deviating from our normal study this morning. Psalm 139. We used this particular passage last Sunday as our opening, and then it's come up several times in the last two or three weeks, and I just felt led to preach on it this morning. Very simple subject, if you would, maybe not uh, simple as it is familiar subject, and that is that God is everywhere present. We think about God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. God is big enough. (laughs) He's everywhere. Psalm 139. By the way, the first of six verses here speaks about that God is all-powerful and all-knowing. But look at verse 7. It says, Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I fly from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. And just to remind you that God, I love the song, God's big enough. God is all powerful. God is all knowing. And God is present everywhere. I mentioned this at the memorial service yesterday morning that A.W. Tozer, we've used this quote many times at our church because it's a great quote. That what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Let me say that again. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. As a way of illustration, we'll talk about the memorial service yesterday for Miss Dina uh, Davis's brother, uh, Ross, and we're certainly praying for that family. But as we approach death in, in this life, we know the Bible makes that clear that we're all headed that way, and physically we know we're all headed that way. We take comfort in knowing that God knows and that God is present there with us. And because God is present and we know that biblically, then we know that when we go through a trial like yesterday, a a death, a memorial such as that, then we know that he's not very far from us. He's right there beside us because he never leaves us nor forsakes us. We studied that on Wednesday night, that he never fails us. He never forsakes us. He's promised that over and over again. Let me say it again. Every situation you go through, Everything that comes your way, God is there because he is present everywhere. There is no, there's no fleeing from his presence. You can't, you can go to the deepest parts of the earth and he's there. You go to the heights of the heaven, he's there. God is ever present everywhere. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you are near and that you do care. And Lord, I just pray God that this uh, wonderful truth would be very evident today. And remind us and comfort our hearts by, the, by that truth. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'm thankful that God has revealed himself to man, mankind, that God has revealed himself to us. And God reveals himself to us through creation. You walk out uh, this morning and the beautiful day uh, started this morning and I started up my GMC truck, and heard the sound of that great motor running. I knew that God uh, is speaking to, no, anyway. No, you walk out in the morning, you see the trees, you see the beautiful grass and Texas is still green right now, which is unusual. I mean, God made everything. And his, his creation speaks to us. His, his, his creation declares the glory of God. His creation, the psalmist says, declares who and what God is. So God uh, reveals himself, manifests himself, unveils himself through his creation. And we look at his creation and we say, there is a creator. And God reveals himself through his, through his word, the Bible. And I'm thankful that we have the Word of God that we can hold in our hands. And you have it in your lap this morning. And, and you have the Word of God that He speaks to us through His Word. The inspired, inerrant Word of God. So God reveals Himself through His Word. And by way of His Word, He reveals Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the brightness of His glory. That uh, Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That Jesus was God manifest in the flesh according to Timothy and according to John. And so we have God's revelation to us, unveiling to us. And that's through creation, that's through the Bible, and that's through Jesus Christ himself. Why would God unveil himself to us? Why would God reveal himself to us? Well, because he wants us to know him. God desires a relationship with you. Christianity is not a religion. A religion means a set of rules. Christianity is not a set of rules. Christianity is a relationship. And God desires a personal relationship with you. God desires a personal daily relationship with you. He, and he, we were created, the Revelation says, we were created for His good pleasure. God desires that, that friendship and fellowship with us on a daily basis. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God has revealed Himself to us. That we can, we can know the watchmaker. Right? I don't know who made this watch. I mean, I know the brand. But I don't know who actually put it together. But I know the one who, who orchestrated and put the world and the universe together. And by the way, he didn't just put it together. He's holding it together, the Bible says. He's holding it together by his word. And God is there with us. He is present with us. He is eternal, unchanging. He's omnipotent, omniscient. But he's omnipresent. He's everywhere present. God is everywhere present with his whole being all the time. The word present, of course, means here, close, next to. Omni means everywhere. The universality, everywhere. In other words, he is everywhere present at once. He is here, there, and everywhere at any one time. He's everywhere. First Kings chapter 8, we won't turn there. But if you remember, Solomon... Um, put together and, well, David gathered the materials for the temple. Solomon hired all the workers and the craftsmen and the temple was built. When the temple was finished, the choir got together, the priests got together, they began to sing and the Bible says that Solomon began to pray. And in Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings eight twenty seven, he says, he says this, he, that is the Lord, is above the heavens and the heavens of heavens. And it's the heavens of heavens that cannot contain him. 
The heavens of heavens cannot contain him. In other words, Solomon was saying that this, this is a temple that we built for God, but this temple cannot contain him. Acts chapter 17 tells us, tells us that God doesn't dwell in temples made by hands, as though he needs anything. Seeing he giveth to all life, breath, and all things. God doesn't need a temple. And God made that very clear to Solomon. Now God chose to dwell there. And there in that holy of holies, he dwelt there in the Shekinah glory, if you would. And that's a whole other sermon. But God manifested himself there. God's special presence was there. But God is everywhere. And God is everywhere present. And God transcends all spatial limitations. His being cannot be contained or localized. He is everywhere. God's omnipresence overlaps many of his other attributes. One of the attributes of God is that God is infinite. That God is infinite. In other words, he knows no limits. His being knows no limits. Therefore, there could be no limit to his presence. He is, he is infinite, and therefore there could be no limit to his presence. In other words, God is our environment. I like this analogy. A.W. Tozer uses it in his book. The analogy is this, that God is our environment. In other words, just like the sea is the fish's environment, fishes, just as the sea is the fish environment and the sky, the air, is the bird's environment, so God is our environment. Everybody kind of get that? It's, a, it's so hard for our little finite minds to wrap our minds around an infinite God. Our, our minds won't just have a hard time computing that, that, that number. And so in order to illustrate it, I think that's a good illustration. Just as a fish are surrounded by the sea, the water, just as the birds are surrounded by the air, so are we surrounded by God. He's everywhere. He's here this morning. He's everywhere. He's here. He's, you know, he's in Asia. He's, he's everywhere. God is present everywhere. Have I said that yet? God is not confined. I do want to clarify and make sure you understand that we're not talking about pantheism here. We're not saying that God is in all things. And you don't walk up to a tree and say, hey, God, you in there? You know, knock on the tree. Uh, you, you, you laugh at Hinduism. Hindu, they, 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 you know, they, God's in a tree. God's in this. God's in that. And that's no way what we're trying to say. What we're saying is God is everywhere. Yeah, he's everywhere. You, you, can't, you can't get away from him. By the way, it's a comforting thought. That's not, a, you know, I know that can be a thought of, oh man, he, he sees everything and he knows everything. Yeah, but he's also everywhere. Right there with you. God is everywhere, but we do know, as we just illustrated that with uh, Solomon, that when the temple was completed, that God manifested himself in a special way. All right? We know that in the wilderness, God manifested himself in a special way. So as the children of Israel left Egypt, as, they, as Moses led them out of Egypt, the Bible says that God led them out of Egypt with a cloud by day and a fire by night. He manifested himself in a special way. We know that Moses talked to the burning bush and the burning bush was jesus christ god manifested himself in a special way we know on mount mount sinai that god 
manifested himself in a special way. I mean, we can go throughout the Old Testament and see the theophanies and God, God appearing there to Joshua and, and the Lord appearing uh, to Jacob and on and on and on to Abraham. We know that God has appeared. We think about uh, uh, Samson's uh, mom and dad. I mean, God appeared in the Old Testament many different various times. But just because he, is, he localizes himself in a certain spot does not mean he's still not everywhere. Put your head around that. I'll even give you a bigger one. Jesus Christ came to the earth. God manifests in the flesh. Jesus Christ. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Incarnate one. God became flesh. He, you know, with skin on. And yet he's still everywhere. Yeah, wrap your hand around that one. That's good stuff, isn't it? We know that because Jesus though he was localized in one spot, <clears throat> knew the thoughts and knew where... We just studied this in, in John chapter uh, 1, didn't we, with Nathaniel. He saw Nathaniel under the tree. Though he wasn't there physically, he saw him because he's everywhere. Though he was in, you know, human flesh, it did, it did not, uh, it did not uh, do away with his omnipresence. Jesus was still still knowledgeable of everything, everywhere. Oh, you know, goodness, that's amazing, isn't it? Everything, everywhere. He has manifest himself in a special presence. And I know uh, Brother Stewart has brought this to us and, is, and has preached this and taught this. But to say that God appears in a special presence is really just for lack of a better term. I don't know what term we could use. He manifests himself. Just because he, again, is present does not mean he, he will manifest himself to us. We know he's here this morning. He's promised to be here. Where two or more are gathered together in his name, he, he'll, make, he'll make himself present, but not necessarily manifest himself. Not, not necessarily make himself evident. Is that, is that clear? In other words, when Solomon completed the temple and the choir began to sing and God came down upon that upon that temple and came inside that temple. In fact, so much so that the priest couldn't enter the temple. God was dwelling there. He made himself evident. And what he does physically in the Old Testament, he will do spiritually for us. I understand that. The Bible says you are the temple of God. God, by way of his spirit, when you accept Christ as your Savior, indwells you. The Holy Spirit indwells you. The third part of the Trinity indwells you this morning. If you're saved, if you're a child of God, then the, then the Lord has, abides in you. He is there with you. Again, God made himself flesh, his special presence, if you would. We think again about the Holy Spirit being each of us who are saved. He can be in each of us who are saved. He can make himself flesh and yet still be present everywhere. It's, it's an amazing thought. He's not, he is simply manifesting himself more in one place than another. By the way, we're kind of in Sunday school class for a minute. Is that okay? Everybody good? Because I need to read some of this. Everybody? I, don't, I hate reading so much, but... To know he is near brings comfort. 
To know he is near brings great comfort. To know he is near brings great peace. To feel his presence is joy. And I would even go further. I know happiness is based upon what happens to you, but I, I believe that Jesus' presence brings happiness as well. I'm thankful it happened to me. I'm thankful when I was six years old and I accepted Christ as my Savior in my pastor's office that the Holy Spirit came and indwelt me, made me happy, certainly gave me joy. To know Him, to know He is near, brings comfort and peace and happiness. If He is everywhere, in Psalm 139, our text makes that very clear, that no matter where you go, you ascend into heaven or to the lower parts of the earth or into the sea, no matter where you go, that He is there. The darkness cannot hide you. He is there. We think about Jacob when he left. We just used this illustration the other day too. When Jacob left his home, fleeing from his brother Esau, who was going to kill him, he fled to go back to, his, you know, to Uncle Laban. A 500-mile journey, he found himself in Bethel, where Abraham had been, by the way, and offered up sacrifices there many years earlier. And there God meets with Jacob. God meets with him there in a dream. God shows Jacob a ladder from heaven extending down to earth with angels ascending and descending. And he's saying to Jacob, Jacob, I am with you. Jacob, I I know you're you're fleeing from your home and you're fleeing from your mother and your dad and uh, everything that you know, but Jacob, I'm going to be with you. In fact, he said to Jacob, you will return to your home one day. And he just showed him, and in that comfort of knowing that God is near, that God is there, it brought great comfort to Jacob. I believe that's where Jacob got saved, in, in my opinion. God was there. And Jacob said this, when he saw the dream and he saw the ladder of uh, the angels ascending and descending, he, here's what he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. So Jacob saw this special manifestation of God. And then he said, the Lord is in this place and surely I knew it not. My my thoughts to you are this. I believe we all make the same mistake that Jacob made. Because the Lord is everywhere. See, Jacob must understand that the Lord was not just in Bethel. But he was in the Ur of the Chaldees and he was in... He was in the promised land. God is everywhere. And so many times we, we get the feeling and we base it upon our feelings instead of upon the facts. We, because of the way we feel, we feel like God has deserted us or that God has left us. But see, based upon his word, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And that he is everywhere all at the same time. And whether you're going to a memorial for a loved one or whether you're by the bedside of a loved one who's come through some, some uh, you know, tough times physically, or, or whether or not you go to your job and you get fired, or, or whatever it may be, God is there. God is there with you. By the way, He's not just there in the bad times, He's there in the good times too. He's there this morning, we we're thinking, hoping Jamie Jones is having a baby, and God is there in those great times. God is everywhere. And there are times in which God manifests himself in a special way. 
revival meeting is coming up here in a few weeks, and Brother Dave McCracken's going to come here and he's going to preach his heart out. And I'm just telling you now, we as a church need to be ready for that. It takes preparation and it takes prayer and it takes, and I believe fasting. These, these are preparations for revival. If we want to see God manifest himself in a special way, then we have to prepare for it. We have to, we have to put ourselves in a position where he can do so. Uh, Ephesians describes it as a holy habitation. In other words, that the church would be a holy habitation of the Lord, a, a home for God. Spiritually speaking, no longer physical, right? Solomon's temple was physical. They finished the temple, they sang some songs, God manifested himself, came down upon that temple, and there dwelt there. But I can tell you right now, he can do that spiritually for us. If we as a church, if we as a church, you say, well, how do we get the manifestation of God? How do we get the evidence of God? By yielding to him, by obeying him, by loving him as we should. He is our father. We are his children. Making himself, making him comfortable. It's so hard to put words together that really, uh, to make it understandable. As each of us go throughout our week, and we live the Christian life as we should. In other words, we walk daily with him. That we are having a daily devotional time with the Lord. That we are doing our best with the power of the Holy Spirit to, to not to succumb to the, this world's age. That we do our best through the help of the Holy Spirit. Listen now. That we do our, help, do our best through the power of the Holy Spirit to live a righteous life. Jesus said, be holy for I am holy. As we walk with the Lord daily, as we worship Him, as we serve Him, we put ourselves in a position where God can manifest Himself in a special way. I don't know, how many of y'all have ever read or heard of D.L. Moody? How many of you? Raise your hand. So everybody, I mean, a lot of people know about D.L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists of the late 1800s. God used D.L. Moody in a powerful way. D.L. Moody was shorter than me, and he was plump, and he was a a large man. He also was not uh, a a well-educated man. Uh, He he had a tendency to slur his words, uh, say Jerusalem, he'd say Jerusalem. In other words, he wasn't eloquent of speech. Uh, In fact, there are a couple of recordings of him. uh, You can go on YouTube very early on in the early wax cylinder days, there's a couple of recordings of him. Um, <clears throat> but he wasn't, he wasn't a dynamic speaker either. But God used D.L. Moody to turn America upside down for the Lord. And England. And most of Europe. He used this man who had no, apparently no, <laughs> not necessarily any great talents. And God used him why? Why would God use him? Because he walked with the Lord. He loved the Lord. He obeyed the Lord. He put himself in a position where God could make him spiritual. See, sometimes we think, well, I want that. I want that spirit, you know, I want uh, spirit field. I want that abundant life. I want those things in my life. And, 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 we, and we read our Bible for a week and we pray for a week and we try to obey the Lord for a week and we think, oh, it's going to happen. It's kind of like, you know, I go to the freezer, I pull out 
uh, some quesadillas from, we buy those boxes from Sam's of quesadillas. Have y'all had those? They are awesome. And then you could buy these little, little things from Sam's in the same, same brand. They're little chili and cheese looking things. Little bread, nobody knows. Let me get up here, I'll show you. They're, they're about this big around and about like that, the little poofy, poofy things. They had chilies and cheese inside of them. Put them, cook them, and then put them in the microwave, warm them up. <sighs> Hungry. <laughs> I always get distracted by food. It's called a commercial. <laughs> but we absolutely live in a microwave society. We think because we've done this, this, and this, that God automatically is going to do this. By the way, God don't have to do anything. God, God, God don't have to do anything. What you do does not necessarily make you spiritual. The Pharisees did a lot of religious stuff. The Sadducees did a lot of religious stuff. Didn't make them spiritual. They followed a lot of rules. They, they memorized the first five books of the Bible. They, they fasted once a week. They, I mean, they, they had all the religious garb and all those things did not make them spiritual. What you do does not make you spiritual, necessarily. But what you do puts you in a position where God can make you spiritual. It's, it's a gift. It's not earned. We, we are not performance-based Christians. We don't, we, the Bible does not teach performance-based Christianity. That if you do this, 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 and this, and this, that God, you know, God automatically does this, this, and this. You've got to be careful. Or that God not doing this, this, and this will automatically... Hello? I don't know. It was emphasized a lot when I was a kid. And it's, still be, it's, it's important that it's emphasized. We just preached the other day, the other Sunday, about you. if you will obey God, God will bless you. That's in the Bible. That's absolutely in the Bible. You want the blessings of God? Then love and obey the Lord. Trust and obey. You want to be happy in Jesus? Trust and obey. But just because you do certain things, just because you read your Bible, just because you show up for visitation, just because you teach a Sunday school class, just because you're a deacon, just because you, you are, you're an usher, just because you do these things and whatever, does not necessarily mean that God is going to manifest himself and make himself evident to you. It only puts you in a position where he, you, uh, you, you make the Lord comfortable to habitate, to make himself at home. It's kind of like getting ready for visitors at your house. All right? Even when my dad comes down, he, he's down, he's preaching over at Springtown this morning for Brother Morrow. Uh, he, he came in last night. We at least, and we didn't do a whole lot of, of preparation for dad, but we at least changed the sheets on the bed he was going to sleep on because our boys are nasty. I just threw him under the bus. How many of y'all uh, parents would testify? Boys. Good. I just want to make sure Micah knows I'm not pointing him out. All boys are the same way. All the wives would testify that men are the same way. All right. But we prepared. We, we do a few things in the home to get it ready. And especially if we were to have a church fellowship at our house like we've done, uh, we'll, we'll do lots of stuff. <laughs> we'll clean the bathrooms. We'll do stuff. Listen, we do things to make our house more comfortable for others. 
And so that's what we do. We ought to prepare, if you would, for the Lord to habitate, for the Lord to feel comfortable in our home, our spiritual home. As we read our Bible daily, as we get to know Him and fellowship with Him, as we come to church and hear the preaching of God's Word and, and our hearts are touched and we say, you know what, the preacher preached on this Sunday and, and I feel like we should make this change or this change or this change and God's told me to do it, I'm going to yield to what He asked me to do. You know, I'm going to start, I'm going to start helping in children's church and I'm going to serve Him uh, by way of helping in the nursery and I'm going to serve Him at vacation Bible school and, and take three of my nights and, and, uh, my, and my Sunday night and I'm going to serve Him. I'm, I'm going to prepare for the Lord so that he might make himself evident in my life. Notice I did not say that he might be there. He's already there. Holy Spirit came in and dwelt you when you got saved. And the terminology would be spirit-filled. You want to be spirit-filled? Make your life. Adjust your life. Prepare. Put yourself in a position where the Lord can fill you where the Lord can make you spiritual. I'm talking about revival. You want to see revival? Prepare the home. Prepare your life. It may mean going to the coffee table and taking a few things off there that shouldn't be there. It may mean going into the video cabinet and say, you know what, these videos shouldn't be here. It may mean some things you need to take out, not just things you need to clean up or, or put into the home. It may mean some things you need to take out of your home to prepare and, and be ready for the special presence of the Lord. I'm so thankful that God is everywhere. Just by way of conclusion, and just a reminder of the application this morning, we talked about, again, the omnipresence of God. He is everywhere. We talked about His special presence. And again, that's, it's, that's just a way of saying it. There's so many different ways to describe that special presence, whether it's the spirit feeling of God or whatever it is in your life, and preparing for that and making Him comfortable in your own life. And then the application again for us as Christians is this. God is everywhere, and therefore there is comfort in sorrow. He is close. He is near. No matter what you're going through this morning, we have assurance in knowing that God will never leave us nor forsake us. No matter what test or trial or tribulation you may be going through, God is near. God is always there. We know this as Paul spoke there in Athens on Mars Hill in Acts 17. He says, he says, in him, talking about in the Lord, in God, we move and have our being. God is always there. He also says in that same, that same sermon, though he be not far from every one of us, God is near. To the unbeliever, must be a reminder this morning that God is near. No unbeliever can possibly es escape God. Hebrews 9, 27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. You can't escape death, and you can't escape God. I just want to encourage you this morning, if, if you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, but well, once you get that right today, Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life, for 33 and a half years, lived a sinless life. He was indeed God and man. And yet he went to the cross. He said himself, he said, no man takes my life. He said, I lay it down. The Romans didn't crucify Jesus, technically. Neither did the Jews. 
He laid his own life down on that cross. They, those Roman soldiers didn't have to, to tackle him and place him on the cross. He didn't, he didn't struggle against the Roman soldiers. No, he laid himself down on the cross and there he died for our sins. There he died. He paid the penalty for our sins. He took the punishment for us from God. The God said in Isaiah, Isaiah said that God said that God had laid on him the iniquity of us all. God laid on Jesus Christ. In fact, it says there in Isaiah that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He took, God, he took the punishment for us. Why? That we might escape hell and have a home in heaven. That our sins might be forgiven. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ. Eternal life. Eternal life. I hope today you know that you know that you know that you're saved. Christian, nothing can separate us from God's love. God is everywhere. Paul made it clear in Romans chapter 8, death, life, nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can separate us from His presence. Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Can anyone hide from Him in secret places that I shall not see Him? Saith the Lord, Do not I fill the heavens and the earth? Saith the Lord. He fills the heavens and the earth. He's everywhere. No matter where you go, no matter what happens in your life, God is there. God is there. We are never alone. No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave us. Amen? Amen. Never alone. You are never alone. Let's all stand. What a wonderful truth this morning. Can't hide from God. Remember Adam and Eve hiding there in the garden after the. Can't hide from God. David, Bathsheba, and Uriah, that whole situation, you can't hide from God. But more so than that, for Christians this morning, we take comfort in knowing that He's always there. No matter what, no matter where, God is always there. He is present everywhere. We are never alone. We'll turn to him 157. Jesus paid it all after we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your love, and we thank you for your presence in our daily life. That Lord, you're always there. Lord, may we be reminded of that wonderful truth this morning. God, may we understand you in a greater way. Lord, may we make our home a habitation for you. May we prepare uh, for for you. And Lord, we pray that if there's someone here this morning who's never accepted you as Savior, they might accept you today. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.